Welcome to True Health Live. We explore and acknowledge basic truths in public health. If you're a student or a public health professional or just plain curious about public health in general, then this is the place for you. Join us. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to True Health Live. Good dawning, wherever you are, or good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome. Welcome to those of you who are not catching it live. Maybe this is a replay. Um, we are here today, episode 19. Ooh, who thought we would make it this far? <laughs> so we are joined by our guest host today, Dr. Katisha Nichols. Hi, Nicholas. <laughs> Tell us about yourself. First and foremost, thank you for having me. Um, super excited to be speaking with you again. Um, <laughs> but just a little bit about me. I am a doctor of public health. I am the founder of a company called Let's Talk Health. Uh, and my goal is really to uh, improve health literacy, educate and empower Black people to take charge of their health. And so we do things like this. We have live discussions with people talking about um, health issues that plague the African-American community. And we also disseminate or share uh, different health topics on our social media platforms. Um, and I, that's pretty much it. I just wanted to have everyone live their best healthy life. And so this is how we do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, people really need to know um, and have that information so they can, you know, go forward and, and feel like they have some sort of, um, um, oh my gosh, the word just came out of my, some, they, oh, oh my goodness, it just literally left my head. They have to have, feel like they have some power and autonomy, yes. you know, and some agency over yes. the public, over their own health, you know? So I think that's, you know, commendable as well. Thank you. So today we are talking about, we're still on mental health. So let me just kind of rewind for people because this is, um, for those of you who are not able to watch and you're catching this on a podcast, this is episode 19, but this is also the fifth episode in our maternal health series. So we've been doing these uh, series all about maternal health all summer long. Um, and um, this is going to be, I think, the second to final one because we, we get, we're going to have a... a a reschedule of another guest. Um, but this is um, advocacy in the maternal health space, right? Um, we talked a lot about different things that were matern in maternal health. We talked about doulas, pregnancy, and birthing support, postpartum experiences. But what about advocacy? Like, what does that look like? Because we, we know that in, at least in the United States, that Black and brown women have very, very, there's a wide gap when it comes to disparities, which means like the differences, right? That health, health disparities doesn't necessarily, like, the words themselves don't mean bad because right. disparity means difference, right. but are definitely negative health disparities when it comes to the ethnic and racial breakdown of what happens with different women in different groups. Of course. So we're talking about advocacy, which is how we, address those disparities, right? So like, let's start for those of you who don't know, who, who are new to the channel, let's start like with just a basic definition of what advocacy is. And advocacy is public support or recommendation of a particular cause or policy, right? And that is specifically when you're talking about talking with people who are lawmakers or policymakers, people in power. So you, you, you have conversations, you engage with them to enact change in the things that make life in your community better. There's also ways that you can advocate like within your community, like, you know, with local um, um, influential organizations, you can advocate change for yourself, you know, internally. But today we're really going to focus on like that larger part of advocacy um, and what that looks like, you know, at the community setting and so on and so forth. So I just wanted to kind of get that out there. And, um, you know, it, it's really important that that kind of advocacy is really important when it comes to the maternal health space because of those disparities that we um have noticed and, and exist. And some of you might be like, well, what's an example of that? One of the, I think, um, and Dr. Kadisha Nicholas, I want to say your full name because I love it. Um, <laughs> and one of the things that I think, um, and please like feel free to like add on or share, I think is um, one of the biggest stories is um, 
Serena Williams, right? When she had, um, what was it? Uh, it was a clot. Yeah. A blood clot. And she was explaining to the, the, the uh, OBGYN, the gyno, obstetrician slash gynecologist, uh, the baby doctor, uh, that something was wrong. And they would not listen to it. Even the nursing staff. So I would even say even the, the perinatal staff, you know, nobody was really listening to her. And it just so happens that she had a clot and they didn't know. But if she had not stopped, if she had stopped complaining, she could have died. You know, yeah. these things are not uncommon for women, but specifically for women of color. Yeah. You know, so we, we've heard stories from a lot of celebrities, even Beyonce, um, shared her experiences while, you know, giving birth. And they are very traumatic because if a celebrity, let's think about it, if a, if a celebrity is experiencing something like this and they have access to all of these resources, mm -hmm. what does that mean for us? You know, they've got great insurance, they've got great doctors, but still um, they have to suffer the same fate as the let's say the average Joe, what does that mean for us? And that's why advocacy is very important because they bring those topics to our attention. And now we know that the problem does exist and we have to go ahead and put our efforts into addressing these issues because it is so important for African-American women. Um, and, and now we've got a voice in a space where we didn't have a voice. It also addresses the, the structural racism and, and the, the bias that, that we have in the healthcare space. A lot of people say, no, there's no racism. I have to go in there and treat everyone the same way I would. But how does that happen? And how does it happen primarily to African American women or women of color? It, it just doesn't add up. You don't see the same way you would for, for white women. So what's happening there? And that's why advocacy is very important in that in this space, because as you mentioned, there's a disparity, there's a barrier, there's something there that just doesn't make sense. And I think in that particular instance, um, the bias and the racism plays a major, major role. And that's why we need to advocate for this. Mm -hmm. And I think it, you, you said something earlier, maybe it was like on a, on a post. <laughs> so I always bring up stuff that happens off stage. I'm like, yeah, remember when you said this? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like when you said like, oh, it's no, I treat everybody when I go into work. And I think, yes, people always think that. Yeah. But when you have what you refer to as um, implicit bias, mm -hmm. it's stuff that comes out. And it's funny because I don't always like using that word. I always think bias is very explicit. It's uh -huh. just that people keep them under wraps when they're public spaces. Oh. I don't necessarily think they're always implicit because then it takes responsibility and accountability. Like, oh, that I didn't know, right? Um, and the culture that I followed is like, yeah, ignorance of the law is not. Uh, of no. course, of course. So, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, mm. and then, and then also it's like, it's 2021. You should know. <laughs> it's 2021. But you know what? Uh, but but there there's that saying that common sense isn't always so common. So we can't True. expect people to know. Um, and even though you know. It, the media is portraying all of this and, and we're having several conversations about it. People are just still oblivious to what's really going on and common sense just isn't common for all of them. So we can't always expect people, even though it's 2021, um, to be aware of what's happening to us um, because they're in their own bubble, their own mind. It, it just not relatable to them. So we can't expect them to even, even, even if they hear the conversation, we can't expect them to be aware and absorb it and, and to, you know, have it in their mental space all the time. That's true. I do think because when things are not relative to you, because we all do it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so when things are not relative, you do tune it out, right? At the same time, I think that, you know, we all have you know, and things are like coming at us and passing through. And it's like, so when you hear it, it's not really that much of a new thing. Like maybe there's some deeper education, but when you hear it, it's not necessarily new, new, because, you know, because I'll hear something. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess so. I saw something like that, you know, like, but I do totally agree. Like, you know, if you're moving 
um, in your own space and like things are coming at you sometimes, it's like, oh, that's not relevant to me. And you kind of, you know, I absolutely agree. Yeah. I, I, that's true. That That's like a normal thing that people it, do. It, <laughs> I, I do it. I'm like, that's not, they're not talking to me. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like advocacy in this space, you know, when we, when we, um, hear about these things just like you said if people who have access we'll put it we'll put it that way it's not just celebrity there are people who are what uh who are deemed as well educated um right um knowledgeable they advocate for themselves but if these people also have issues with disparities and access and and treatment right what's happening with with everyone else so that kind of leaves or, or opens the space um, to see the need for, hey, something needs to change structurally, right? Mm-hmm. So that these things don't happen. Um, and some of those things that need to change structurally, like one of the things we could even talk about is like, I think something very basic is like the kind of going back to the beginning is um, staffing, right? So like uh, perinatal staffing and yeah. not just people who are in the hospitals, but even back to education, exactly. like who's in the medical schools, right? Who, what does the staff look like? Are people learning from people um, that look like them if you are not of the you know, uh, racial and ethnic majority? Uh, or even if you are part of the racial and ethnic majority, are you learning from people who don't look like you so that you can have that cultural kind of addition yeah. so that and understand like how to better add on to your skill set. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I working in the hospital setting, uh, it's kind of pushed me to want to become like a chief impact officer because I understand the dynamic between the hospital, the people that work in the hospital, and the community that the hospital serve. Mm-hmm. And yep. all of it is intertwined and all of it looks pretty much the same. A lot of times you go into the hospitals and, you know, the community, let's take Columbia. I worked at Columbia. The community is built up of a large Hispanic um, population. And when you go into the hospital, sometimes you don't always get that. And so you have doctors treating you, nurses treating you that may not look like you. Are they culturally aware? Do they understand um, when I'm explaining my symptoms, what I'm trying to say, because, you know, let's be real. Sometimes patients are not great at explaining their symptoms, what they're feeling and, 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 and kind of communicating that to the, the clinicians. Um, but are my clinicians able to understand me? Are they able to take that information and come up with a, a care plan for me that works for me and not just based off of the science? Because sometimes we have to kind of tweak things a little bit based upon the people that we're serving. And and that that's not always happening in a lot of hospitals. And that could contribute to some of the barriers that we have um, as it pertains to maternal health. Um, when women go in and explain, you know, their symptoms, are our clinicians able to understand that? Are they able to say, okay, based upon your environment, this is how we need to tailor your diet. This is how we need to tailor your 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 health plan because maybe you don't have access to these types of foods. Maybe you need to try this. Maybe you need to try that. But that's not happening, mm-hmm. and it's it's so important that we kind of we work on the hospital setting on the hospital side to to create um, a, a space that looks. Uh, uh, relatable to the people that we are serving. And, and, and I feel like we need to get there. I don't think we're there yet. I, we're not there. We're far from there. Yeah. So like, I, it's interesting because like, as a per, like we, we were both moving in public health and like throughout my career, I've worked in like, you know, specialized spaces, right? So I've worked in a large hospital, but it was specifically dedicated to cancer, right? And then I moved into the nonprofit, well, not the hospital's nonprofit as well, but like the private nonprofit um, sector. And so then I became kind of acquainted with community health, like things that are a little bit more um, 
insular, you know, like, like they're kind of closer knit. However, it doesn't mean that we don't partner and have relationships with hospital systems. So let me ask you, like, because you are part of a hospital system, like, what does that look like with the hospital kind of trying to create, you know, some of that local? Because I think community-based can probably hit it well, but then how does a healthcare system or a larger healthcare system kind of try to do that work? So I think this is something new that's happening in the hospital systems. Um, public health is relatively new um, for a lot of people. Like no one really heard of public health up until COVID. And and so hospitals, I'm going to be honest with you, um, a lot of hospitals didn't really consider this. Even one of the hospitals that I've worked at recently, when I walked in the door, I said, okay, what are we doing for outreach? We're in a, I'm in Miami Beach now. So like we're in a largely Hispanic, um, Latin American culture. How are our hospitals creating resources for this, for these types of people? Like for this, does this, you know, population of people, what are, what are we doing? And I was told, oh, we don't have outreach or we don't have um, anything that looks like that here in this hospital setting. And I'm like, wait a second, like you do know the population you're servicing are not going to just show up because they know it's routine. I have to follow up with this. I have to go. You you know, that's not happening. They're going to show up in your ER. And if you're trying to express, um, you know, your ER length of stays and and the patients that are returning, you need great outpatient setting. So how are we getting into the communities and addressing this? A lot of the hospitals are now starting to implement, like I mentioned, the whole chief impact officer because they realize the importance of in addressing patients showing up in the hospital. What does that look in, in the ER? I should say, what does that look like? How do we prevent that? And so now they're starting to say, okay, let's do a community needs assessment. Let's look at this. Let's start partnering with, you know, local districts and people that we're servicing to see what they need and how we can be of service. The conversation was never, um, from the hospital setting, the conversation was never, how can we be of service to our patient? It was always, how can patients come to us? Like, no, 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 no. We need to service our patients. It's not about us. It's not about us bringing in these these great doctors from so-and-so and so. I and no, 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 no. It's about the people we're servicing. So we need to focus on what the people we're servicing need mm-hmm. and then bring those services to us, not what we can offer. No, 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 no. <laughs> right. Because Helen, who yeah. lives at 357 11th Avenue. Right. She doesn't know that they just brought in a top uh, neonatal surgeon. Yeah. Like, she doesn't know that. Yeah. You know? Why would she? And she doesn't know that maybe this person looks like her or or is cold. Oh, I can't hear you. Your sound went out. Can you hear me now? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and that we are culturally aware and knowledgeable of of what she needs and what she wants and how to provide quality care to her. They don't know that. They won't know that unless we're out in the community doing what we need to do. And it's sad. A lot of health systems don't do that. But I see that um, based upon a lot of the things that's been happening lately, that they're starting to take the initiative. So we've got a ways to go before we start to see, you know, uh, major hospitals in our communities um, bringing on people that look like us or even just if they can't do that right now, addressing the cultural awareness education to the provider that they have on staff and, and, and offering those services to them so that when someone who does not look like them walk into the doors, they still know how to treat and care for those patients. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got a ways to go, but I'm yeah. hopeful. Yeah. You said a key thing is that about the emergency rooms, because that's a big thing. Like that's what people use because there's not necessarily an understanding of the importance of preventative care. Right. And being proactive and just like having like, you know, normal, like it's not like you'll have to be it unless you have like an illness or an underlying disease. You can, you know, you know, your checkups can be like few and far between depending on, you know, what your 
physician or the clinician or the, you know, the professional that you see sets, because I want to acknowledge some people use uh, alternative medicine. So, you know, as long as everything is good, you know, metabolically and, you know, there's no underlying, you know, issues, it's not like you'll be in the doctor's office every week. Right. You know, so because some people, they just don't like it. I understand. You know, some people yeah. just are just like, I don't even want to be in this place. Like it, it, some for some people, it doesn't give a good feeling. But you need to know what's going on internally. Yeah. You know, it, it's a combination of distrust and lack of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing that in the underserved communities, we understand where it comes from, why um, people are feeling the way they feel. We mentioned a, a story, Serena, earlier, you know, going through what she went through. And we start to think, I mean, if she's going through it, then, then you know, what's going to happen to me? Like, if she's mm-hmm. got access to the resources, you know, what's going to happen to me? We get it. We understand. But my thing is, one way to address that or to overcome those things, just being educated you know, like having a little bit of knowledge about the health system, having a little bit of knowledge about your health, um, being able to effectively communicate that mm-hmm. goes a way because what was Serena Williams and Beyonce able to do? They were able to communicate because they had a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of understanding about themselves, about their health. And they were able to say, listen, this does not feel normal. I've never felt like this. I feel like X, Y, and Z. And therefore their doctors were able to do what they needed to do. But a lot of people, especially underserved communities, are not able to translate their thoughts into how they feel, into um, something that expresses or describes their health at that point in time. And that's why, you know, one of the reasons why uh, we see the numbers that we see as as it pertains to uh, maternal health, it's just, we're just not, in addition to everything else, because there are a lot of other factors, but in addition to that, we're just not able to describe um, how we're feeling, what we're experiencing. And, and then the providers are not able to, then provide the care that that we need because of it. Yeah, um, it, it's like it's communication, and, yeah. and some of that is like uh, the ability to communicate. Yeah. So it so that I think even goes deeper, right? So this is where like you know having those community based uh, ways to have learning is important, and yeah. you have to meet people where they're at. So in addition to that advocacy piece, um, you know, like, so what we talked about really quickly was like that perinatal staff and like, just even like teachers who's teaching everybody, like, how do we get to like this cult that that's where the cultural competency begins. It's like expanding teaching staff and also the perinatal staff from the doctors to the nurses, to the assistants, like everybody there, you know, so that there's, people there that that look like and mirror the community that they serve and so that in and of itself that level is not necessarily like advocacy on the policy level but it's advocacy at the you know um i wanted to say regulatory but not really it's it's um uh it's a policy but like internal right how you talk about like the chief impact officer, like how how systems, hospitals, centers, you know, kind of create their their strategy and they kind of reshape their mission, right? Because missions and visions right. are the foundation. So it's, you know, reshaping that so that it, it is inclusive of what they need to actually be a mirror for the community. Um, we have That's a question. It, well, it's not really a question in the chat. Um, and greetings to everyone in the chat. Um, and it was about the chief impact officer. So can you describe a little about how the chief, and this is usually a position that is in, um, it could be in a, a nonprofit, um, but mainly like a hospital. So can you explain a little bit about the chief impact officer and how that kind of goes hand in hand with the advocacy? Yeah. So in, in layman's terms, uh, uh, a chief impact That's what officer. we need because that's what this is. This is information and we're not talking to less. Yes, no. And and I'm big. I'm big on that. Um, So in layman's terms, a chief impact officer is someone who works in the hospital, but who does a bit of outreach. So they understand what the community needs. They understand what the hospital provides and they try to make sure that everything is aligned. So whatever the hospital is doing, is it addressing the needs of the people that they're serving? And so they want to make sure that 
pretty much all of this is just working cohesively, that we don't have a hospital in your community that's offering services that doesn't even pertain to you, or we're doing things that doesn't even pertain to you. Like, why is that hospital there? So the chief impact officer is pretty much the liaison between the hospital and the community to make, and, you know, and the community could be the people. It could be those people who are in politics to make sure that we're providing every single service you need to address every single health concern that you have. And, and that's, that's pretty pretty much it to be as simple um, as I can be with it. But we want to make sure that the hospital is doing what we need to do for you. Plain and simple. Mm -hmm. And and even um, building like coalition building, you know, so (laughs) um, that's a big part of advocacy is coalitions. And that is a really good way to, um, you know, kind of get your advocacy bus going because the coalition will be made up of your policymakers, your key stakeholders and influencers in the community. So like, you know, it could be business owners in the community, um, faith, faith leaders, um, or just, and regular community members, like, uh, presidents of the housing association, because you kind of need to tap into those places where people have access to like a lot of of their neighbors and their other people. So they can say, well, this is what I know because this is what we experience. And that's right. where you get like that real world um, story about mm-hmm. how about what's going on. Because yeah. you're right, you don't want to have like whatever the service is. Like even if it is like a, a clinic or community health center, you could be offering like state of the art things, and that's not what they need, nor is that's- it what they want. Yes. <laughs> right. So you don't spend all this money on right. state of the art stuff, and it's not being put to you. Right. Yeah. And, and and that's pretty much what we need when we look at underserved communities. Um, well, well, all communities, but my focus is always the underserved communities. We mm-hmm. need to make sure that whatever we're doing, we're doing it for the people. It's not, um, you know, so we have to partner with the faith leaders, as you mentioned, because let's be honest, a lot of us, like, we're not going to do anything unless Pastor John said, guys, make sure you go to the doctor, you get your COVID test, then you get checked up for this. A lot of us are like that. A lot of us are not going to go to the doctor unless that doctor has been in the community or has been a part of the community, maybe volunteering here or volunteering there. And then they see the doctor in the in the hospital setting and they're like, I trust you. I want to come to you. But if you don't have those relations with certain people in the community, a lot of what you're trying to bring to the community is missed because they don't know that they're there. They don't know that people who are for you are there um, and working at the hospital and doing all of these wonderful things. And so it's it's very important that we're like, you know, boots on the ground, having a, a hand um, in building, you know, a hospital system that that is for the people pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to like move, um, like kind of go into the next step about like advocacy and, you know, kind of discuss like some of the policies that are like, you know, reflecting or things that are kind of like on the table. And I was doing like, you know, some reading and research and we know that there is the Black Women's Health Caucus, right? And so they have this large like um, package that has been introduced at both the House level and the Senate uh, level. Um, and, and usually like a package like that is an omnibus, right? And they're calling it the mom. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> the omnibus, the omnibus package, and a lot of the things that it addresses are, you know, similar to what we've just talked about. Like, you know, talking about how we have the high uh, morbidity and mortality rate uh, amongst women of color, specifically Black women. Um, how we need to address social determinants of health that even create these problems, right, in the first place, and the cultural competency and racial disparities um, issues, and like, and the gaps in the perinatal workforce. So, you know, those are some of the things that can be done. So, like, as we're talking about this, like, yeah, we're talking, we can discuss like the changes and how to advocate for changes at the, the the local community level, like through a chief impact officer, coalition building. These are the ways that we address those issues. But then what does that look like when you go and you have your signs, you know, and then it's not always like that. You don't always have to be, you know, with your signs. It yeah. is sometimes like 
establishing, you know, relationships and engaging with those people who are, you know, in power. Um, right. Those people who have um, access to change laws, like someone, um, and, and it should be known that, you know, when you move through those methods, right, your, um, if we're talking about federal level, right, your Congress uh, member has both a local office and sometimes they have more than one, depending on the size of your city, uh, you know, the, the, I'm sorry, the size of their district, right? Um, and they'll have them in several areas. Um, and they also have their office in DC. So you don't, um, you know, if you live in, you know, um, Miami Beach, you don't have to go visit DC to talk. Right. They definitely have an office, you know, that is local. Um, will it always be like near you around the corner? Probably not, but it's not like several states away. It's not like you, you don't have to travel that far. Um, sometimes, yes, they'll be in D.C. more. Like if there are a lot of things going on, they will be in D.C. more. But their their local offices are always staffed and there's like a local office. The local office almost always like mirrors the, the office that's in D.C. And there's usually a community liaison. There's like a scheduler and they'll and they actually will have ways that you can um, contact them. Now, I'm going to be honest. It's not always easy to just contact. Let's be honest. Um, so this is why it is also important to, to have, um, coalitions because yes. people who are in coalitions, especially coalitions that have, um, you know, those influential organizations and people, they get heard, you know, yes, you know, you can be heard all by yourself, but like we're stronger in numbers. Right. So I am always like, you know, advocating for people to like, yeah, go in a group, you know, and bring yeah. the kids. You know, yeah. <laughs> go in a group and bring the kids too. you know, because you, um, you, if you are engaging in civic activity, you are the group that determines whether they're there after their term ends. So they'll want to listen to you. So, you know, these are the ways that we get things done or that is how, that this is how advocacy works. It is mm -hmm. like those, those relationships and engaging with people. And so when we talk about advocacy and maternal health, it's like, boom, 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 boom. This mom, this momnibus is like, boom, 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 boom. Here's the issues that we have, and this is what needs to change. And so right now there are different things on the table. Like one thing is um, not just like, cause you know, we talk about maternal health, but I think like uh, there's like 12 bills, I think like sitting in the house and the Senate. And one of them is like like more recent about like the impact of like COVID-19 on pregnant women. Um, also one is on like behavioral mental health issues, right? And sometimes that is like, that hits with the postpartum, right? Yes. Um, one is about like, um, I think we have, it's with one of the, the stimulus is the ARPA stimulus, the American yes. Rescue Plan Act. And it actually extends, um, I mean, I wrote it down, let me check my notes. It extends, uh, the support that um, uh, the it's a children health insurance uh, program, and it extends it rather than sixty days to, out to a year. Um, yeah. So for women and children, like um, for families, I should say that don't necessarily have that protection, you know, because everybody's yes, everybody. Some people are still like underinsured. We do have the Affordable Care Act, but some people are still underinsured, so they need all of these different um, programs to kind of collectively cover them right um and and there are other reasons for that which we'll get into in another show but today we're just talking about like the the very uh bare minimum and basic of, of advocacy so like you know there's uh there's all these practical steps i'll say it like that to shorten it there's all these practical steps that are being taken to um increase coverage for uh families in need i'll say it yeah like that. <laughs> and mommies in need. And mommies. No, uh, you, you brought up a very important um, point a little earlier when you were talking about, you know, addressing social determinants of health and um, and then looking at, you know, some of the policies and things that are in place and this momnibus that's out here um, pretty much rallying for change, uh, trying to address those social, social determinants of health as best as they can um, to make sure that the policies that are out there, the opportunities that are out there for us 
um, are actually beneficial to us and in changing the narrative that we have right now as, you know, black women experiencing the, the maternal complications that they are experiencing. So, I mean, as it pertains to social determinants of health, that's, that's a very broad, very broad topic. There are a lot, <laughs> there are a lot of things that contribute to social determinants of health. You can look at housing, food security, job security, education, all of those things. Um, and how does that relate to health? They each play a factor in our health. And so when we have politicians fighting for certain um, of causes, they can't address all of those social determinants of health. They can kind of only pick one and focus on it. Um, and, and that's that's great that we need to kind of understand that a bit um, because when we're doing our voting and we're doing our research about who to vote for next election or next term, we have to make sure that we're, we're looking at the policies and the plans that they're working on, those people are working on to see that it, whether or not they align with what we need in our communities um, and what social determinants of health are within our communities that, that they're addressing that we need right away. And, um, and I don't think we do that as a people, um, especially when it comes to the smaller elections. We we wait for like the big ones and we're like, oh, we're just going to vote for this president. We're just going to do this. But it's really the smaller elections that really drive the changes that happen within our communities. Um, and so it's very important that we look at certain policies that are currently in place, look at certain people that are, are lobbying for certain policies um, and and understand what's happening in our community to make sure that they're doing what we need and not just, you know, because you can have a policy, you know, you can have a community that has really like that has food insecurity. Let's just pick one and mm-hmm. you have someone that's lobbying for maybe housing. That's not what we need. We don't no. need housing food mm-hmm. security. Um, and so we have to be very particular about this and we have to understand what's happening at a community level, what's happening in our district, what's ha- who, who's lobbying for us um, to ensure that they're, they're going to bring about the changes that we need. Like, yeah, I like this person. He's great. He's wonderful. She's great. She's wonderful. But are they going to bring about the changes? Are they going to advocate for the changes um, that you need as it mm-hmm. pertains to health specifically. Um, and and I, I just urge people to kind of uh, to do their research on this a little bit, see what, you know, what's happening in your community, see who's out there in your community and um, just do your research, plain and simple. Yeah. And you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say, so like, you know, as people go to um, True Health Live and like the website, I'm actually starting to work on workshops to, that discusses exactly what you were just talking about. Um, because some of this, and so we'll give like a little bit of some of it. Um, yeah. Knowing the issue of yeah. the elected official or policymaker that you are going to target to be like your champion is very important. And even that, like who's going to be the champion is very important. Like all of those are crucial steps in advocacy. And especially like if we're talking about like maternal health. So like, so if you are like, let's say you got your coalition together, right? You need to figure out like, okay, you can pull the rap sheet right? I'm just going to call it the rap sheet. You can pull the rap sheet of your particular policymaker at whatever level to see like who's been their funder, right? Who's been donating to their campaigns? Because that will give you a clear picture of what issue they're going to pick up. And if their largest donator is maybe, I don't know, um, let's say farm big pharma you know i don't know and your issue kind of goes against like like let's say it's like you know they're giving too many like you know whatever's in the prenatal pills and i'm just pulling stuff out there whatever's in the prenatal pills are not good for the black community or women of color da, 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 da. chances are that might be a conflict of interest right mm-hmm. so you have to be and if you're still gonna go for that um elected official you have to make it very clear as to why this trumps that Right. Yes. Um. And and it doesn't mean that you can't because like a lot of times, um, because we know like money rules, cream, cash rules, everything <laughs> around. <laughs> Show my age. <laughs> cream. <Get that>. Right. <laughs> However, what is important to them is also votes. 
So if you have the people, then you have a very good um, chance, right? You have a very good um, chance of of kind of standing up against whatever that larger donor is. And that may not be a case. I'm just kind of trying to give you an example of how like the advocacy business works. You also have to know who your opponents are, right? Um, because you're all vying for the same people, right? To get in front of the same people so that they can hear your issues. Now, sometimes it may all work out um, because the other part is like, find out what their affinity projects are. Find out what other groups um, they they like to uh, partner with or collab with because then you can pull them into your coalition, right? And that's how you kind of get in front of them even faster, right? So, um, and go to those meetings. So I'll, I have, you know, I'm going to like be putting together like a whole workshop series on that. And so like, you can definitely okay. contact me, DeidreSully.com if you have any questions. Um, but these are the way, these, this is actually how things get done. I had a conversation on um, with an individual um, on the Masters of Health show, and we kind of talked about this. This is that this is that talk about how to get into the room, right? And then once you're in the room, how to get to the table, and then once you're at the table, how to make sure that you're eating at the table and not on it. So mm-hmm. um, this that is like the crucial piece of advocacy um, that happens behind. A lot of it happens behind the scene. Yeah. It's not always. The, you know, and storm in the Capitol. It's um, in the room where it happens. If you are yeah. you know, people who who are uh, fans of Broadway and Hamilton and all that, it's the room where it happens. That's yeah. that's a lot of the times what advocacy is, and that's coming from someone who is who does health policy and advocacy and community affairs, and has been in those those rooms um, at that time at those times. So it's crucial to understand um, that piece for advocating. And and those are the things, especially like when we think about like it's the Black Women's Health Caucus and they're led by two uh, congressional members. Um, those are the things that kind of get us where we need to be when it comes to policy, whatever it is, you know? Yeah, no. I, I for your, so you're more on like the, the, the political side of things as it pertains to advocacy. And I'm more on the personal side of things or, Mm -hmm. you know, community side of things as it pertains to advocacy. And I just want people to know that advocacy can go either way. Um, We can. I don't think that you have to be out here lobbying and protesting and, and trying to do all of these, you know, things to advocate for yourself. Advocacy can also look like you just standing up for yourself in the time of need. Um, And this can be in the doctor's office, in Mm -hmm. front of any health provider, in front of a teacher, in front of, there is space for advocacy there as well. And Mm -hmm. on both sides of the spectrum, the most important thing is just education. Mm -hmm. Um, I can say, you know, when you're entering, like say the political side of it, you, you need to understand what's going on. You need to understand what's happening in your community and at a national level. Um, and, and that education is needed on the personal side of things or the, yeah, on the personal side of things, you need to understand what's happening to you. What right. and, and also need to understand what's happening um, uh, nationally or, you know, among your group of people as well, because that kind mm-hmm. of gives you as to how to navigate the space. Um, but that education, no matter which way you're going with advocacy, is very, very important. Um, change does come about without that education. You will not see an improvement without that education. Um, and I, I just want people to understand. understand. Say it yeah. one more time for the people in the back. Change is not come about without that education. Improvement will not come about without that education. No matter how you do it, no matter how you advocate yourself, whether it's at home or in the doctor's office or, you know, in front of a politician, um, you need to have that education. It just requires a little bit of reading, a little bit of passion. And usually people are passionate about it because it is something that directly impacts them. Um, But you still need that education. Um, You cannot do it without it. You cannot and the truth is, it's the knowledge, right? You have to yes. have that knowledge 
And then yes. the wisdom comes when you actually start to do the things, yeah. that advocacy part, whether it be the political side or that advocating for yourself, you have to do it to understand what is supposed to come next, right? Yeah. So you you so it's not just like I'm gonna sit here and just wait for stuff to happen. No, there has to be that that knowledge, that education, then you have to like be moving in it. You can't just like be stagnant and expect things to like change. It's not like osmosis here. No. I, I, needed, you know. I on self efficacy. I did my research on it. I or like that self motivation for those who are like, <laughs> What? Um, you know, we we can't always expect the government or our doctors or whomever to do for us. We have to take initiative and say, I am empowered. I care about my health. I care about me. I care about my community and take that step that that little bit of motivation goes a very long way as it pertains to your health outcome, as it pertains to the the health outcome of the people in our community. Um, It goes a very long way, but we can't expect to see change without that. Mm -hmm. We can't. So, you know, like I'm not expecting everyone to, you know, to go to their local politician's office and stand there and, you know, fight for their right. No, it, it really starts with you. Like it really starts with you making that or having that conversation, maybe just with your doctor. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work with your doctor. Okay, let's start to make an, the next step. Let's start to go with the coalition. Let's start. And then you build on that. But I'm not expecting everyone to be out here Malcolm Xing it and, and, and you know. <laughs> No, 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 no. Like start small and work your way up. But but just understand like advocacy can look, you know, different ways. Yeah. yeah. And that's why the coalitions are key because the coalition will have that piece. It's like, we're going to be the piece that gives the education to the people. And then maybe yeah. the other body, you know, the coalitions can have bodies, you know, mm-hmm. the other body, you guys are going to represent us here. We're going to take the community in and you guys go, you know, to the hills and you do whatever it is, it is you need to do. But over here, then and then the coalition can disseminate into we're going to start putting all this information in this community center, that youth center, so that people can, you know, have that when they have. Um, um, I will say when we talk about like getting that education and where to get it, because like in order for people to do that, standing up for themselves in the doctor's office or wherever it is, like for, for moms to do that, where are they going to get the information? Some, like you said, reading, you know, go and kind of figure out like what's happening. Like, what does it mean? Like now I'm pregnant, right? So what does that mean? What should my, what should the, my maternal, um, my, 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 my birth pattern looks like, you know, what should pregnancy look like for me? What is a healthy pregnancy? What are the signs of unhealthy pregnancy? Like you should, you know, go and look at all of these things. And if you don't know where to start, you can Google search is totally fine. You know, nobody's gonna, you know, think that something's wrong because you did not decide to go to the doctor first. Google search is totally fine. If you are experiencing something abnormal and weird, Chances are you do want to go um, and, and and visit a clinician um, because you're not going to be able to diagnose yourself. Um, but um, going to get that education is key first, yeah. And, and people should know that they also have resources like you and I. Um, you know, the, we we talk about these things because we care about them. It's not just because we want to sit down and kiki with one another. It's mm-hmm. because we care about these topics. So people should also utilize us as resources. All right. Maybe just some direction. I don't know where to start. You're, you know, like you are very familiar with this. Like, where do you think I should go? That's what we're here for as well. Like that's how we advocate for you as well. Um, so I want people to, to also use us and our social media platforms as resources. There are a bunch of, we're, we're in the social media age and a lot of the people that I communicate with are big on social media. So there are a bunch of doctors who are utilizing, you know, their their social media platforms to disseminate or share this information as well. If you have questions about your pregnancy, where to go, what to do, what where where do I begin? There are um a lot of one of them the period doctor and then there's uh paging Dr. Dre. Uh they are all like they're both in uh, the maternal space and they also share great amount of uh, of information on their pages to kind of help you navigate the the waters as you're going through this entire process. Um, So you're not alone. There are other people out there who are going through it. And there are people out there who are willing to share the information. So 
just start by doing your research. Uh, one thing I would like to say is as it pertains to African-American women um, mm-hmm. and some of the disparities that we face in as it pertains to maternal health, one of the problems is that we just we don't plan for pregnancies. Uh, so we don't know. We're probably not living a healthier lifestyle. We're not doing the right things prior to getting pregnant so that when we do get pregnant, we end up with a lot of health health complications because we weren't healthy to begin with. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of unconscious creation going on. Yes. Yes. And, and, and pregnancy is, is a a product of creation, right? So there needs to be some intention behind. And I get it. And so we see that, that difference um, among black women and white women uh, in the health, because it starts from the beginning, and what's the beginning? The the planning stages, the or maybe the not planning stage. Uh, and and so, if you know that you want to get pregnant, if that's something you think about, you move differently, your actions are differently. You cut out drinking, you eat healthier, you maybe start to exercise, and you and your partner both um, have a major role in this. And if you're not planning to get pregnant, if it's something that just happens. Of course, what were you doing before that? Because all of that contributes to your pregnancy once it happens. Um, and, and I just want us Black women to be mindful of those things because that's one of the key contributors outside of everything else that we have to live with. That's pretty much the key contributor to a lot of the health issues that we have um, as Black women and a lot of the disparities that we see as Black women. So I just want us to keep that in mind. Uh, as we're moving through this, as we're thinking about getting pregnant or engaging in unprotected sex with the possibility of getting pregnant, I want us to think about those things uh, because it it is uh, very instrumental in <clears throat> in in our health experiences um, as pregnant women. Yeah, social determinants of health, right? Social determinants of health. <laughs> understand like how major social the, the just the phrase social determinants of health is like it just drives every single thing we do in our lives and it, it is the key contributor to pretty much everything um and it impacts us from every single direction and so you may not think of this like in your day-to-day life like you're not thinking like oh social determinants of health oh i got to you may not think that, um, but I just want you guys to be aware of it and to know that every single thing we do from jobs to education to health, our, our, our eating, our every single thing is under this umbrella and it impacts us in, in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And so we need to keep this in mind um, as we're moving through life. Like it's, it's very important that yeah. we do that. You know, we could go through like a whole scenario, right? Because the other thing, it's so nuanced and everything like touches on each other. Like, believe it or not, like maternal health advocacy and that part you were talking about, like, where, you know, advocating for yourself as and when it kind of converges with like the, the political piece, it's like just taking a look at like what's in the neighborhood. So you mentioned like, you know, when we're not necessarily planning, uh, for pregnancy, right? We're not thinking about like, okay, what am I taking into my body? What, um, uh, how am I exercising? You know, how am I, how am I taking care of this physical vessel that is going to carry forth new life, right? So like, then we can stop and say like, well, how was I taught to eat, right? And then not even, and then you can take it outside of the home and be like, well, what's surrounding my community? Is there like a fast food restaurant like every so miles, every so couple miles, like? You, there are different like reports. Um, I think I can't remember what it's like a nutrition report, and they found that like you know there the the I think in New York City, it was it was actually Dunkin' Donuts. I would have thought it was something like McDonald's, but it was actually like Dunkin' Donuts was like the most uh, populated like you know yeah, yeah. franchise or restaurant that they found like you know within a certain amount of miles like per every couple hundred. Yeah. And it was like, that's a lot. Why do you need so many? And, you know, just kind of taking a walk down the street, you can see it, you know, like they're like, sometimes in some neighborhoods, they're like a block away from one another. And it's like, why do you need so much of that? And if people are like, 
eating these things and and you know a lot of times i call it it's just edible it's not necessarily filled with anything nutritious it's not food it's just edible you yep. know so like if these are the places that surround your community who's allowing that right, right. so then there there's a why is it being allowed? Why are we allowing it? Or why is it being forced upon us? So then you have to think, then there has to be that advocacy within the self to say, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to contribute to this, which is helping to bring the community down. And that's just going back on the one example about food, right? You know, and then, and then maybe I'm eating it because I like, this is what I can afford because I got to pay rent, right? Mm -hmm. And then that's the housing issue. So social determinants of, of health and then and understanding the nuances within that are so, so critical. And these are the conversations that need to be had in communities. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. Oh. I have a, a question in the chat from Lancelot Paris. Welcome. I've never seen you before. Hi. Welcome, Lancelot Paris. Um, how about the man that's going through this with his partner? Um, if you can just elaborate just so we can make sure we answer the question properly, just kind of um, expound upon what you mean, the man that's going through this with his partner. Because um, I do want to say, like, I, I really agree. Um, like, here, it's, it's about families. Like, yes, we're talking about maternal health, and so that is specifically to the woman. But when we talk about the makeup of the family, the man is absolutely a part of that um, because that could even go into some of the issues yes. why we have maternal, you know, disparities. You know, people, women are unprotected out here in these streets, right? Um, and, for, and again, that could be a whole nother show. As well, to, that's a whole nother show as to why. Um, and, and, um, I think there are things that we, that has to happen within melanated communities and some truths that have to be shared and told and people may not like it, but those are some very real conversations that need to happen. But I do think absolutely when we're talking about maternal health, the, um, the demand is not, and I'm trying to, I'm like trying to figure, I want to say the father, <laughs> but the man is not excluded from that. Yeah. We talk about the larger piece of it, but um, we're talking about specifically for maternal health and what happens to the women in the hospitals and doctors listening to them. That part is, you know, yes, about the women. I, I will say that men do play a major role in this as well. And especially when I was talking about, you know, the planning stages, you know, making sure that your body is Absolutely. ready. Um, the man also has to make sure that his body is ready um, to be a part of this process. Like, you know, what is he eating? What is he drinking? Because all of that also, believe it or not, impacts the woman. So you're you're you're, whole, you're creating life. Like, we want to make sure that both parties are healthy. Both parties are doing um, whatever it is they need to do to to bring forth the healthy baby. And and of course, later on down the line, the man is there for support. Um, Mm -hmm. To be a great support system. It, it's not going to be easy road. There are going to be a lot of ups and downs and bumps. And of course, the woman is going to need that support throughout the process. Uh, so, you know, there are two, you know, major, you know, roles uh, for a man in, in, in this entire. So we're not going to neglect that the man is needed or the man exists. Uh, we want to take take him in, into consideration as well. Yeah, because the, 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 the man is there from the start. It is man, woman, mm -hmm. child, right? Yep. So the man is not non-existent. It is man, right. woman, child. <laughs> and you want to make sure that what you're creating or what is created comes from good stock, Yeah. right? And so that is key to have both parties be coming from good stock. Yeah. And that's still, and, it, and they're both affected by, What's happening surrounding them in their community? What what's what what's available to them? What do they have access to? And yeah. also their own awareness about what is happening and how they can like make change to that. You know, maybe he decides like, listen, I don't want us to create a family in this. We we're gonna go ex. Uh, we're gonna go to this place. Then that's what should happen. Yeah. Because that is what's best for the family. So absolutely. So maybe that answered your question, Lancelot Paris. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but if you definitely want to elaborate, please, please, please feel free. Um, but um, but yes, you know, definitely the 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 family, and I'll say it like that: it, it is the family that is also affected by maternal um, health and maternal health advocacy. You know what? Um, and uh, women who have like multiple children, right? 
this is where and here's an example of like why it's like important like when it when it comes to the family if she's not listened to right or is not necessarily knowledgeable about what should happen you know if she has ch- previous children you know there's children waiting at home to meet the new the new addition and something happens and she doesn't make it that right. man is left without a woman yeah and those children are left without a mother so absolutely this is about the family yeah so yeah. We'll, that answered your question and that's just like a very basic example very basic and simple um and you just remember, i would love to have like another show about like the family um, yeah <laughs> we should and i would love to have another show like i have to figure out like how to make it, how to make it work. but what? like that conversation maybe that's like one of the other youtube shows conversations but yeah really needed um and and i've noticed just from my research because uh, i actually got into the one of the reasons why I got into the public health space was because I saw the disparities. <laughs> um, you know, the black women are three times more likely to die from pregnancy related causes. And I was like, what? What? How is that? And when you do, you know, kind of dug myself in a hole, into a hole there. But when you do the research, you realize that planning is really like the foundation for it. And when you see what those differences are, of course, he has access to quality care, but it's that initial planning. It's that that preparation, everything, the buildup, the leading up to actually getting pregnant. Um, and, and because most Black women do not plan their pregnancies, a lot of the things that should have been done initially are not done. And now we're trying to play catch up and start taking our, you know, our prenatal vitamin or our, our vitamins and this and seeing a doctor and we're trying to catch up and we're already behind um, the curve. So that's, we need to have An that discussion. Conversation, yeah. you know, and, and we know we are in this age where people are not wanting to be accountable and hear, and, 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 and hear like, no, 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 this is what you did. This is how you mm-hmm. did. This is true. Mm-hmm. People don't they want need to They're not <laughs> hear it, but it's very, very true. They need that. Advocate no, I- all there's also accountability in advocacy. Oh yes. What are you not doing? That is oh, something. Yes. Oh, or what yes. I that is causing <laughs> to happen. So I I agree. I'm I'm one of those people that you know. Although I'm in the healthcare space and you know, like I talk about public health issues, I'm also human. So there are times where I don't listen to my own advice, and then when you know, like something happens to my health, I'm like. Girl, like you knew better. Like you should have done better. Like it happens to all of us. Like <laughs> you know, you even when you was doing it, even in the middle, you should be doing this. I don't do it anyway. I was like, <laughs> I hope nobody watching me. Like I hope, you know. <laughs> but we're human. But at least I know I can look back and say, okay, Kanisha, like you knew you were doing wrong in this instance. So it's all your fault. You have no one else but, you know, to be mad at but yourself. And that's just that. Move on. Um, But Mm -hmm. everyone kind of need everyone to be accountable. So we need to have that discussion. Yes, please. Mm -hmm. And thank you. You let me know. Maybe that should be a panel. Yes. I'm going to work on that. It'd be very, very interesting. Sign Let's, me up. Sign me up. We can collab on a panel. I think we should. I don't, yes. And I, I have a feeling a lot of people are not going to like what's said, but it's, hey, I, I said what I said. Mm-hmm. Or say what I say. <laughs> Listen, like, we are those people that are, like, the family members that's keeping it real with you. I think if you have no one else on your side to be real with you at any point in time, then I don't know what you're doing out here. Like you need people to say, all right, this is what time it is. This is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing right. And to hold you accountable. And that's what we're doing. That's, that's really what we're doing. So if you feel some type of way about it, I'm sorry. Like I'm passionate about health. You're passionate about health and we're here to keep it real and keep it honest with you all so that everyone can live their best healthy life. If you feel some type of way about it, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell Mm -hmm. you, but we're doing it out of the kindness of our heart because we love you guys and we want you guys to be great. That's it. That's it. Someone very close to me and dear said, keep it true and live forever. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) That is it. Like 
Just the, the family members that's going to give you the tough love, you know, but it's all coming from a good place. And we, we want you guys to live longer lives. We want you guys to make healthier, um, dis, you know, decisions, you know, better uh, health informed decisions, you know, like it's, Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. So, um, I just want like, did you have anything else to add? Because like, it's, I want to be like mindful of time and be respectful of time. It's like we've hit like the hour mark, and I didn't hear anything from Lancelot Paris. There is like a twenty second delay, but we've passed way over that. So I, I guess we must have answered his or her question. I hope so. But if not, you know, please, um, definitely, and this is for everyone in the chat. And if you're watching this video afterwards. Please feel free to comment in the the comments down below, and um, I'll definitely make sure to answer some of those questions or ping Dr. Kadisha, like if the question is specifically for her, so she could like come in and answer that question. Um, we will definitely talk later about like a panel. We'll do a collab panel about like you know we'll figure out what to call it, like you know some the some truths, something. We'll call it something. We'll figure it's it out. Gonna- it's going to be spicy for sure. <laughs> we will figure it out. Um, but thank you so much for joining me. I just wanted to let everyone know Dr. Kadisha also has a podcast. Tell them about it. Oh, yeah. So I will be restarting this podcast again. Um, it is called We Gotta Do Better. And it's all things Black health. So we will be talking about a variety of topics. But as I mentioned, it's all about public health issues that plague the African-American community. And of course, the goal is, you know, because, you know, we got to do better. Like, we just got to do better. So um, if you are interested, please follow me on social media, uh, my page, let's.talk.health, uh, where you can get all of the information that I'm disseminating about different health topics. Um, and then my personal page, Dr. Kadisha. Uh, I share some videos on there as well. But the goal is really just to keep you guys informed, get you guys educated so that you can go out here and live your best healthy life. And that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make my Instagram page like yours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes. I'm like drinking Listen, right now. Mm-hmm. you're doing an amazing job. Like <laughs> I have to say you are doing an amazing job. Um, the way you communicate is just awesome. And I'm, I'm glad that you have created this space. As I told you, when you reached out, I was like, yeah, girl, let's do it. And it's, it's, (laughs) it's rare that you can, you know, kind of just reach out to someone and get that, um, build that connection, build that, you know, relationship. So anytime you need me, girl, you, you know where to find me. Let me know. I am down. I've said that from day one. And this is what, like our second or third, you know, this is the third, just a DM. I have to have <laughs> Listen, like, this is I'm, I'm here for this. I'm here for this. I'm here for us empowering our people and and just getting great information out there. So whenever you're ready, girl, you let me know. All right. We're going to do this panel. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome sauce. We're going to get a bunch of people. All right. <laughs> so thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, I hope you really uh, willingly you learned um, something about advocacy um, and what it is, both um, in that political space, if you are into civic engagement like that, but also more importantly, advocating for self and having it start here, you know, yeah. like, you know, right there, you know, so willingly you have, if you have any um, outlying questions, you know, again, add them in the chat. True Health Live is here, like on Sundays at 11 every other week. Um, we're going to take a little break for the uh, holiday coming up next week, but we'll be back after that. You can catch us here live on YouTube or on your major podcasting stations. The um, Our show for today will be uploaded um, today. So you can catch us there and, you know, rewatch, re-listen, whatever it is. If you have any questions for me, if you have topics you want to hear about, Put it in the DM. You can hit me up on the DM. You can put it in the chat in a message or you can email truehealthlive at gmail.com. Until next time, peace, everyone, and see you forward. Thank you, Dr. Nicholas. Bye. Thank you for joining us here at True Health Live. Remember to like, save, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment and send an email if there's a topic if you want to discuss. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at True Health Live. You can also listen on DeidreSully.com. If there's a topic you'd like to discuss or hear, you can send an email to truehealthlive at gmail.com.
See you next time.